Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Beat him up. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Stevenson. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Pacers got the steal, outrunning his Brissett, pounds it home. Washington, again, five of them. Go, go, good job. It's it to Taylor, Taylor missed it, tips it in. Oh, the, pace, the Pacers clearly yeah. won this trade. The Pacers clearly won this trade. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Healed. Hotter than fish grease. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. This is Tyrese Halliburton, just got here in Indiana. Um, I'm super excited to meet you guys and super excited to get started here. Go Pacers. My oh my Pacer Nation, it has been a busy week as the Pacers made three trades. We finally got to see the team in action. Kevin Pritchard talked to the media. We got to hear from Halliburton, Tristan Thompson, and Buddy Heald. What a week it's been. And so we're going to jump right in talking about the debut game. The Pacers hosted the Cleveland Cavaliers. Karis LeVert made his emphatic return and he looked mighty good in this game but we are definitely here to talk about the new players and how this team looked going forward so this first quarter was unbelievable the Pacers dropped a season high 47 points they dropped 27 in the second quarter and then they only dropped 22 in the third and 17 in the fourth so an interesting thing here if you're looking at it from that first quarter standpoint they scored 47 points in the first quarter. They just scored 39 points in the second half. So Cleveland, they've been a top team in the Eastern Conference for a reason. Their defense really kicked in. Rajon Rondo was fantastic off the bench. Chetty Osman was great once again. We saw how good he was against the Pacers on Sunday. And then Karis LeVert, 10 of 19 for 22 points. What a, a spectacular game from him. But looking at this Indiana Pacers young core, it was really exciting to, to see what we we're going to get. Tyrese Halliburton in 40 minutes was 9 of 15 from the floor for 23 points, six assists, six assists, three rebounds. He also had three steals, but he did have six turnovers. He was not very happy with the way he played in the fourth quarter. Chris, uh, Chris Duarte had 18 points. O'Shea Brissett had 18 points. Newcomer Buddy Heald had 16 points. And then looking at the bench, Jalen Smith got in two towns a day, met Rick Carlisle at 3 o'clock. He played in this game. He was 5 of 7. Isaiah Jackson, this kid cannot catch a break. He goes five of seven. He actually looked pretty good in this game. Um, he had three steals as well. Ankle injury in the first half. He did not return to the game. He played just 12 minutes. He was a plus nine, the best plus minus for the Pacers in this game. And I think that's telling when looking at the center position. Lance Stevenson was four of six for eight points. Dwayne Washington just two of five for five points. Tristan Thompson played some minutes down the stretch. Not much of an impact there for him offensively, but he did have four rebounds and was fighting on the glass. And then 
Goga Batadze is the other player that got some minutes here. He started the game, but he only played 10 minutes in the game. No offense to Goga. He was a plus three when he was on the floor, but I will say this, Goga Batadze looked like a fish out of water with this current core. The Pacers are trying to kind of retool, reshape their roster around. Just looked a little bit clunky out there with, with that fast-paced offense. So we will see what, what the future looks like for Goga or how he adjusts to this, but Overall, for me, this was just not a great Goga Batadze game, and I feel like he was probably the worst player on the floor tonight. Um, Buddy Heald defensively. My goodness, that was pretty bad, too. But I think overall, Buddy Heald, you know, you got to look at his overall stats. Nine rebounds and eight assists. What a game from him. O'Shaper said 18 points, 11 rebounds, and two blocks. I mean, that's that's big time for him. So, really, it was a great first quarter. Uh, you felt good after the first half, and then the second half, the Cavaliers just dominated Indiana, but I think if you're looking at it from a Pacers standpoint, this is good news because the Pacers are racking up losses. It's their fifth in a row. It's beneficial for them getting into the draft lottery and getting better odds. So we'll see what happens as they go forward. They're currently 19 and 38, and I think it's a really interesting thing. We're going to go ahead and look at the schedule here before we move on to five with Fachi. The Pacers play on Super Bowl Sunday at 3 o'clock. They host the Minnesota Timberwolves. Then they're on the road Tuesday night, the night after Valentine's Day, against the Milwaukee Bucks. And then before the All-Star break, they're going to have one more game back at home against the Washington Wizards, who are kind of in a bit of a, a downward spiral here. So this is a chance for the Pacers potentially to win, um, I would say, at least possibly two games. But Minnesota's a, a 500, above 500 team. Obviously, the Bucks are just a problem for the Pacers and have been for many years. So We'll have to see how the Pacers do, but they got three more games before the All-Star break. Would love to see them just get healthy, and then we heard from Rick Carlisle that hopefully we might see Brogdon and Turner return from injury after the All-Star break, so we'll get to see how they look with this young core. But, yeah, a lot of times to be excited for. Obviously, the Pacers did lose to the Hawks this week, and they lost to the Cavaliers on Sunday. But, but overall, I think, you know, this week, you look at the teams they played, they played all teams that were better than them. So you can't really get too upset about these three losses. I, I think it's exciting to see this team um, play a different style. It was hard to keep up. It was so fast. But I also think it's really important to know that the Pacers are going to continue to get a better draft pick. Kevin Pritchard today in his press conference talked about this. We will get to some other comments from KP later. Um, also in the show, I'm going to do a special. We're going to end the show with an interview with Bob Kravitz from The Athletic to talk about the moves that were made and what direction the Pacers could go. So I think you're going to really enjoy that. But here we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with Michael J. Focci and his Five with Focci segment. Folks, welcome back to Five with Focci. So I'm going to be talking about the five winners from the NBA trade deadline, in my opinion. You know, the winners can be interpreted in plenty of different ways. Um, but I'm going to go with who I thought maybe had, you know, came out on top in this trade deadline. I'm going to start at number five with the San Antonio Spurs, a team that you're really wondering, what are they trying to do? They're not awful. They're not good. I mean, they're far from where they were. So they're kind of like stuck in that, you know, which direction are you going in? Well, I think they made it pretty clear. They made a couple of deals over here. They made a deal with Toronto where they acquired Goran Dragic's expiring contract uh, and a protected 2022 first-round pick that is going to the Spurs for Thad Young, Drew Eubanks, and a 2022 second-round pick from the Pistons. Um, so the pick that San Antonio is getting, it's, it's top 14 protected. 
it's it's pretty heavily protected. It's top 13 protected in 2023. But at the same point, that pick should translate this year. Toronto's playing some good basketball. Then for that second move, the Spurs traded Derek White to the, the Celtics uh, in a deal where they got um, so they, it was they got Romeo Langford, Josh Richardson, and a top four 2022 first round pick. So I know I threw out a lot of names at you there. Here's how it's going to be summed up. Essentially, the Spurs traded Thad Young, Derek White, Devin Eubanks for two first-round picks. I think that's a good move. Look, Derek White, good player, but for San Antonio right now, you have DeJounte Murray over there. You're not going anywhere anytime soon. You might as well recoup two first-round picks. That'll give you three first-round picks for this year coming up. I think that's a good move for the Spurs moving forward. Number four. The Boston Celtics, a team that just made a deal with the Spurs that I mentioned in this deal. The Celtics acquired Derek White from the Spurs, like I mentioned, for Romeo Langford, Josh Richardson, that top four protected pick. That's what they gave up. So Romeo Langford, look, guys, yeah, he's got the IU ties, has not been a good NBA pro. Josh Richardson, we've seen him bounce around the last couple of years. I don't think the Celtics are missing much there. And that first round pick, guys, believe it or not, but like, the Celtics, they're, they're supposed to be a lot better than they are. And they really have not been that good the last couple of years. So Derek White, you get a guy who is signed through the next couple of years. I mean, this this guy, I want to say, is signed for about the next four years. Um, yeah, for the Spurs, they get, they get off that contract. For the Celtics, they improve defensively over here. And the Celtics need to be much better than they are. It's not the only move they made. They traded with the Rockets for Daniel Tice. Tice, a guy very familiar in Boston. Contract, not great. Don't know why the Rockets ever did it in the first place. But Boston sent Dennis Schroeder to the Rockets in the deal, uh, as well as Enos Freedom, Enos Canner, whatever you want to call him, and Bruno Fernando. Uh, essentially, Freedom was, was cut right away. Bruno, not much over there. Dennis Schroeder could hit the buyout market. So essentially, the Celtics brought in Daniel Tice with familiarity there, proving on the defensive side, and Derek White, another guy who's good defensively. So for the Celtics, they also opened up five roster spots there. So expect them to pursue the buyout market. They also dumped guys like Bull Bull uh, and P.J. Dozier to, for just cash. So they opened up a lot of roster spots. Look for the Celtics to be that team that uh, improves in the second half of the season. Uh, then moving over to number three, go with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and to no surprise, I think you're going to hear a team that they were involved with coming up soon. But anyway, the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers pulled off a, a blockbuster deal. And we didn't know if it was going to happen, but all year there was the rumblings of where is Ben Simmons going to go. Uh, but also there was rumblings lately of how unhappy James Harden was. Uh Shocker, or maybe not, because it seems like Harden's unhappy in the last few places he goes to. Anyway, the Brooklyn Nets trade James Harden and Paul Millsap to the 76ers for Ben Simmons, my boy Seth Curry, love the guy, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. So there's a lot involved here. Look, Harden, probably not the guy that he used to be. But when you know James Harden wants out and you're hearing rumbles that he wants to go to Philadelphia – Look, you gotta you gotta figure something out. So the Sixers ended up sending the Nets an unprotected 2022 first round pick. I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. It's a protected 2027 first round pick, but still, 
I mean, and you're saying, well, those picks aren't going to do much. Okay, well, you know what? Let's put it in perspective here. When the Nets went all in uh, for, for James Harden, they traded Karis LeVert. They traded Jared Allen. Jared Allen was a borderline all-star this year. Uh, and then that's not just it. They gave up three first-round picks and four first-round pick swaps to Houston. So they needed to recoup some assets over there. Look, they take a flyer on Ben Simmons. He's paid for the next four years. Uh, look, if Simmons buys in and, and, and is who you know he could be, that's great. You're getting one of the greatest shooters of all time in Seth Curry. And Andre Drummond right over there. Look, the, the Nets, they actually really need Drummond. I mean, between, uh, look, you, you know, Blake Griffin over there, it's, it's, it's just not cutting it. Andre Drummond could actually be an underrated pickup for the Nets. But the big thing is you, you get rid of an unhappy James Harden who could have walked. You bring in Simmons. You bring in Seth Curry. You bring in Drummond. You bring in two first-round picks. I think it worked out for the Nets right over there because, guys, you gotta you got to remember, they have Kevin Durant, they have Kyrie Irving, they have a championship window. Number two, Philadelphia 76ers, the other team uh, involved in this deal. Look, Embiid was right. He was basically telling the Sixers, you're wasting my prime right now. The Sixers were a team last year that they were, I mean, they were one of the, they were the one seed. So they were expected to be competing for it all. Ben Simmons, that, that saga, that situation, it, it really, it dragged them down to, you know, it held the 76ers back. It was kind of like a cloud over their team all season. You know what? Daryl Morey and James Harden, they they have this, this love affair, this connection. Everybody knew it was no secret. They wanted to be reunited. You bring James Harden into Philly where that's where he wants to be. Apparently he's hungry, whatever. You pair him with, and when I say hungry, I, I don't mean for food. I mean hungry to win. I know, you know, Harden could get a little, uh, you know, out of shape. But you guys know what I'm saying. I'm talking about James Harden, Joel Embiid together. I think that that's a really good duo. I think Harden is someone that does need the ball in his hands more. I don't think he was a good fit with Kyrie Irving, despite them going 13-3 and in just the 16 games that Harden, Irving, and Kevin Durant played. But for the Sixers, now you're ready to go. This is it. There's no more excuses. You're not waiting on anything. The Simmons distraction is out of there. James Harden coming there. It looks like he, he already picked up his, his player option for next year. They'll sign him to another deal. So then I'm going to go with uh, who was the winner on the trade deadline? Let's see. Uh, I'm going with the Indiana Pacers. Yes, I'm allowed to be biased here because I love the moves that the Pacers made here. Look, they here's I'm going to put it in retrospective. They traded Sabonis. They traded Jeremy Lamb. They traded Justin Holiday. They traded two second-round picks overall. And, and here's what they got back. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. They also traded Karis LeVert. You also traded Tory Craig. Uh, so overall, here's what you got back. Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, a first-round protected pick from the Cavaliers, the Rockets' second-round pick, which is expected to be a top 35 pick. You also got Ricky Rubio's $18 million expiring contract. You got Jalen Smith, who was the 10th overall pick just two years ago. And you got a future second round pick from the Suns. So you're working with a lot of picks here. And they also got a, a $10.5 million trade exception, which that could be underratedly valuable. The picks. Oh my God. You guys are probably thinking, what are we going to do with all these second round picks? Hmm. Well, I remember a time when we packaged four second round picks and we moved up and we got Isaiah Jackson at 22. 
in the draft, and I love that move. So, look, I, I really think the front office is thinking, hey, if, if we, it worked in the past, it might work again. They also cleared $26 million in cap room for next year. Tristan Thompson, not coming back. All right? Look, we, we know that's not happening. Ricky Rubio, the odds of him coming back are very slim. Buddy Heald, his contract actually decreases by about $2 million each year. So that's favorable. We know Rick Carlisle needed shooting. And over through this all, I didn't even cover Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton is a very special player. I truly think if you redid uh, last year's draft, he goes third overall behind Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. I mean, it just this guy is an absolute stud. I think he's a he's a franchise cornerstone. I was talking to a friend who said, I feel like he's not a, a great scorer, but he's more of a Chris Paul-like. Um, I'm sorry. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a guy that can make everybody better around him. This guy's making under $5 million this year. This is unbelievable. I know a lot of us wanted Fox. Darren Fox is making over $30 million this year. So massive price difference. I love what the Pacers did over here. They were very aggressive in shaking it up. Well, you know what? They saved money. They, they increased their, their pick assets. They have three trade exceptions to work with. They have young talent. They got younger. They got faster. They got more athletic. And I can't wait to see what they do in the offseason. So those were my uh, trade deadline winners in order. They were the San Antonio Spurs, the Boston Celtics, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers, and then number one, our very own Indiana Pacers. Guys, I hope you liked Five with Fachi. I'll be bringing it to you every single week. And thank you for tuning in. All right, so I said I wanted to hit on Kevin Pritchard's press conference today, and I, I really think if you haven't watched the thing in totality, you need to go over to YouTube, type in Indiana Pacers, and go look at the recent videos. He talked in depth for about 30-plus minutes, I would say, on all the moves that were made this week, and I think you're going to really like what Kevin Pritchard had to say. Um, jokingly, he did address the tough outcomes, and I appreciated that, but what I really wanted to hit on here today was Kevin Pritchard giving the high praise for this young core, but specifically Tyrese Halliburton and what he thinks this Pacers team has in acquiring Tyrese Halliburton. So here's what KP had to say about getting a point guard for the future. Getting a point guard that is young uh, with upside and you feel like you can build around for the next, you know, 10 years, those don't come around very often. So Tyrese is that guy. We feel like not only on the court, but off the court, he brings a persona that we need. And uh, it's going to be great building around him and and Chris and uh, as our young players and and uh, Goga and uh, uh, Jackson and, and, and Dwayne. We feel like we've got a lot of young players that we can take a look at and grow. Okay, now moving on to our tweet of the week. This comes from someone that's been putting in a ton of work over the past few months, really building their Twitter account, and that is at underscore trade deadline. I think it's great that, you know, at underscore trade deadline is able to listen to all of these different podcasts and put out quotes that's out there in terms of reporting NBA news, NBA rumors. It's, it's really been easy to follow some of the stuff that's being said because of at underscore trade deadline doing all the work and listening to all these podcasts and reading all these articles. And, you know, um, I always appreciate it when they, when they tag the person that at least, um, you know, said the quote or, or at least 
had on a podcast. So that way fans can go listen to that episode uh, in full to get more context. But um, Scott Agnes, I listened to this podcast and I remember him saying this on the Fieldhouse Files, but it was from at underscore trade deadline who actually put the tweet out there with a quote. And I, and I wanted to share this, but uh, it says Lance Stevenson doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to finish his career in Indiana. He wants to retire with the Pacers. So Scott is the one that said that on his podcast. So, you know, we love Scott Agnes. We always enjoy having him on our podcast. He should be joining us in a couple of weeks as we uh, just look at this Pacers team now and, and see what there is to talk about. But, you know, Lance Stevenson, obviously one of the older guys on this team, might not fit this young core, but but Tyrese Halliburton in his press conference after the Pacers lost at the Cavaliers specifically said that Lance was, you know, encouraging him, letting him know what he can do better. And I think Lance has just matured so much and he was pumping up the crowd tonight. He was getting into it. Look, Lance is a flawed player. Don't get me wrong, but he is flawless when it comes to his connection with the Indiana Pacers and their fan base. So I hope Lance sticks around longer than this season, but we will see what happens as Kevin Pritchard has to retool this roster as we move forward. But even as a 15th man on this team, I just think what he brings to the city and this franchise is just huge. And, uh, almost should be considered like a Udonis Haslam with the Miami Heat. Look, he wasn't the best player on those teams that won multiple championships, but he was a big part of it. And I, I think that organization loves him to death. And I think that uh, Lance Stevenson is in that same boat in terms of how the organization or the fans, I should say, at least feel about him. So that is a tweet of the week. We're going to take a quick break and we are going to move on over to the player of the week and the rookie report with Michael Fachi. It's time for your Setting the Pace Player of the Week. Brought to you by Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. They put their heart and soul into the food, and uh, I would love to eat there every day if I could. Open Thursday through Saturday at 11. Located at Camp Sertoma. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue, baby. All good in this head. Smoke and Barrel Barbecue. It's smoking good. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Setting the Pace Player of the Week, highlighting three games from last week. That is the Chicago Bulls game, the Atlanta Hawks game, and the Cleveland Cavaliers game. So just so you know, I am recording this before the game against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers with Tyrese Halliburton and all, all the new guys coming in. So for last week's Setting the Pace Player of the Week, we are going with Chris Duarte. The man is back. He averaged 19.6 points per game on 51% shooting on the week, three rebounds, three assists per game. Uh, he was also 6 of 14 shooting from three. The trade sending Karis LeVert to the Cavs truly paved the way for Duarte to have the green light and start on a nightly basis. I don't want to ever see this man coming off the bench again. Guys, you can make an argument this could be his team moving forward. I know there's a lot of young, talented players, but um, you know his best performance on the week was a 25-point and 4-assist performance against the Hawks. However, uh, we did that on 8 of 16 shooting. However, he also had a 22-point performance on 7 of 12 shooting against the Cavaliers. So, guys, I think it might be safe to say Chris Duarte's back. The Rookie Report, brought to you by Pizza King, located at 135 and Fairview Road. Call us at 317-882-0340 to place your order today. Pizza King, a proud sponsor of Setting the Pace. The Rookie Report. Duarte inside scores his first NBA points. Now Duarte, his three is perfect. Duarte. 
He knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again! Beat him up. Duarte, step back three, and hits his third. That's a tough three, too. Now Duarte, another three. Here's a long three. Duarte, got it! <laughs> Tucker thought he had a lightweight. Welcome back for the Setting the Pace Rookie Report. We already highlighted Chris Duarte as he was the player of the week. Uh, moving over to our other first-round pick, Isaiah Jackson, uh, unfortunately, has still not returned uh, to the court after hurting his ankle against Orlando Magic. However, he is going to play against the Cavaliers. If you're listening to this, he will have already played against the Cavaliers on Friday night, so that is a great sign to see. Uh, moving over to Terry Taylor in three games on the week. Terry averaged 10.6 points per game on 44% shooting to go along with what he does best, 9.6 rebounds per game. Even shot two of three from three-point land. The diamond in the rough should see an uptick in playing time now that DeMontis Sabonis has been traded where he can be a small ball five at just 6'5". Obviously, the odds are stacked against Terry, but he does not care about that. That man swallows rebounds. He will not be playing in the game against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, when you're listening to this. So, uh, Terry, we miss you. We want to see you back out there. Uh, His best performance on the week was against the Chicago Bulls. He logged 38 minutes, and he responded with 21 points on 9 of 17 shooting to go along with 14 rebounds and 5 assists. That man was a stat sheet stuffer. And it it seems like lack of playing time is the only thing keeping this man back from double-digit rebounds on a nightly basis. Moving over to yet another undrafted rookie, Dwayne Washington Jr., our two-way player. In three games of the week, he averaged 14.6 points per game on 37% shooting, 4.6 rebounds per game, and 2.6 assists per game. Well, guys, he did just shoot 30% from three. Confidence never seems to be an issue as this man can get hot from behind the arc at any moment. His best performance of the week was a 17.7 rebound and four assist performance on 50% shooting and zero turnovers on the week. Uh, he did that oh, in the game, and that was, uh, I believe, against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the two-way draft, the two-way undrafted player out of Ohio State has been a pleasant surprise for the Pacers this year. Moving over to our another undrafted rookie, uh, but also our last rookie, Kiefer Sykes. Sykes made two appearances last week as he did not play in the Chicago Bulls game. He averaged 8.5 points on just 28% shooting. Hit five rebounds and five assists on the week. Now, I'm hoping that the Sykes magic has not worn off. However, with Tyrese Halliburton coming to town, you don't see an uptick in production for Kiefer. His best performance of the week was a 7.5 rebound and three assists and one monster block performance against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Guys, that was all for the Rookie Report. Keep tuning in weekly. On Saturday, we will always have the Rookie Report coming your way. All right, everybody, we are back for our Setting the Pace Fan of the Week, none other than Corey Waldron from otgbasketball.com. Corey, what's going on? Uh, nothing much. Um, it's been it's been a really up-and-down season as a Pacers fan, but we're, we're all on cloud nine right now after the trade deadline. That we are. I mean, it almost feels like a new season right now. I mean, you, you can quickly forget that we're, you know, 
heading towards a top five pick because it just looks like right now, I mean, we got some some clear blue skies right now. Man, the grass is green. It's like they can't tell us anything right now. But, Corey, I, I think we'd back it up a little bit to the beginning. I mean, you and I, I, I believe you're from New York. Is that correct? Um, well, no, I'm actually from Indiana, um, but I moved to New York when I was in second grade uh, going into third grade. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, I spent a, a lot of my life in New York. So you and I have that in common. But tell me, uh, how did you become a Pacer fan? Um, I became a Pacers fan because I'm a Hoosier. Uh, so I was I was born in Indiana, obviously. Um, so I, I grew up watching the Pacers, Reggie Miller, um, Jermaine O'Neal, uh, Ron Artest, uh, you know, the, the good old Rick Smiths, the, the good old days of the oh, Pacers yeah. in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, obviously the Colts as well. But you know, once once you get into the the Pacers fandom, as everyone says in Indiana, you know, we grow basketball. We, you know, that that mantra, that saying. And I left New York, and I always just kind of felt pride being in New York, but always being a Pacers fan. And I don't want to be the Knicks fan. I don't want to be a Nets fan. Just give me the Pacers. Truly, I mean, I was like an alien in New York growing up being a Pacer fan. Before social media, I did not know another Pacer fan, but, hey, I never let it get me down. And, you know, you mentioned some of those good old days. I mean, anytime you bring up Jermaine O'Neal, it's going to bring a smile to my face. Uh, is there a specific game maybe that you attended or watched that really stands out in your lifetime as, like, I'll never forget that one? Oh, man. Uh, I mean – you know, a lot of the a lot of the playoff games from those Paul George and David West, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson Pacer teams. Like, I mean, they they do stand out. Like I remember, um, you know, Paul George's three sixty dunk like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to like recent memories, like I, I've got, I tend to go to at least one Pacers Nets game a year. Obviously, with COVID and the pandemic and everything, it, it's kind of made it a little bit harder the last couple of years. Um, I did go to a Pacers Nets game though. I want to say right before the pandemic started and Demontis Sabonis was uh, was terrorizing DeAndre Jordan and just kind Love of bullying it. him around and pushing him around. And I went with a bunch of Nets fans of mine and the Pacers won the game. Um, so that's probably the, the best memory I've had of recent years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, the wins are hard to come by uh, these days. So, you know, if we got to win that that day, I'm happy for you. So I'd say switching over to this year. I mean, look, it's been an up and down, a roller coaster of a year. What were your expectations coming into the year for this Patriots team? I mean, it was the year we were going to be healthy. Uh, it was yeah. the year to oh, bonus was going to work, right? It was the year that um, we were going to finally see what this roster looked like as constructed. Um, and we just we just didn't get there, obviously. But I was expecting us to be somewhere between that four to six seed range I wasn't expecting us to be a playing team this year I thought we'd we'd have worn by now obviously we haven't um but yeah my expectations were for us to be a really you know I hate to say it a really tough out oh the tough out there it is but I mean hey if that's what they're preaching from the top it's obviously going to trickle down and make us believe it but just like you I I mean I thought that, hey, this team, they're going to get healthy. I mean, T.J. Warren, he barely played. He'll be ready. I thought, hey, at, at best, we'll set him for 20 games. I mean, at this point, I mean, we're like, whew, Warren is still not out there. I don't know if he'll be out there. It's obviously a completely different team that he would be coming back to if he comes back at all. But things have changed now. Tell me about your level of hope for this Pacers team moving forward after all of the recent changes that took place over this past week. Oh man, I'm hopeful. Um, I mean, I gotta be honest, you know, there was, there was that two week stretch before we signed Lance Stevenson where it was hard to watch a game. 
Agreed. Um, and then Lance came to the team, and you know he obviously had that huge uh, career assist night. It's the bonus in him, where you know, you know, striving and um, you know, reliving the connection from a few years ago. Um, and then it kind of felt like, you know, what was the team's plan? And obviously, we saw the fire sale that took place. And again, we got some really young, nice young pieces. I know Alex Golden, um, he put out this post about, you know, the age of majority of the Pacers roster. We have a ton of guys under the age of 25 on this team. And that's that's really hopeful. Um, you know, Miles Turner's still in town. You still have some sort of veteran presence who's been with this organization for some time. And, you know, Tyrese Halliburton might be that true point guard that I feel like we've been looking for since even before George Hill. Like oh, maybe yeah. Jamal Tinsley was the last true point mm-hmm. guard this team had in a lot of ways. Um, so I think the future is definitely bright. And the fact of the matter is on this current trajectory of us, we're still going to get hopefully a top three pick in the draft. And there's plenty of guys out there who I think could make a splash on this team next year. Absolutely. But I mean, this is where you just got to give us Pacer fans like a pat on the back when we're like, we haven't had a point guard like this since George Hill and Jamal Tinsley, Uh, because it's just (laughs) like the bar or the ceiling on Tyrese Halliburton is just so much higher that it is going to be so exciting to watch him out there. It truly feels like anything can happen now because he is a true foundational piece for this Pacers team moving forward that you know that these guys can now grow together. And that tweet that you mentioned that Alex put out, I mean, having all that young talent, man, it feels like options are endless, that that these guys can truly build something special together. Like, look, obviously, we're far from what OKC was able to do, you know, back when they had all that young talent of, like, Durant and Harden and Westbrook and Ibaka, but it, it just feels like give these guys some time. I mean, Isaiah Jackson is an absolute stud. Duarte, yeah, he's 24, but I mean, no one's going to say that guy is not promising because he looks great. Halliburton, you throw him in the mix. My God, there's just so much young talent coming together. The contracts are great. We got trade acceptance. We got picks coming in. It just feels like options are endless right now. I mean, a lot of people were sour on the front office a couple of weeks ago, but now, I mean, got to say, I think they nailed the draft and the deadline. Could you disagree there at all? No way. I mean, I know KP got a lot of got a lot of criticism. Um, and obviously, you know, the Pacers are, the Pacers don't necessarily make you know huge moves generally speaking. But if you look at recent history, when we've had a disgruntled superstar or we've had some sort of need to retool, the Pacers have retooled. Now this is more of a rebuild than a retool. Mm-hmm. But even still, I could easily see this Pacers team getting another young guy at the draft um, this upcoming offseason and maybe even being a playing team next year. Like, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities if guys like Halliburton and guys like um, Duarte do take these steps with a guy like Isaiah Jackson who you mentioned. Um, and then if Turner and Warren can stay healthy, because I do think Warren ends up with this team next year. The whole Malcolm Brogdon thing is probably the biggest question mark. It is. But there's plenty of talent on this team, I think, where we can see us still competing sooner rather than later. Just hopefully that's not, you know, this year. Let's, let's just continue to, to lose games to get that draft pick. Great point. Exactly. Look, like, we're stuck in that middle of like, look, we don't want to see this this team just get blown out on a nightly basis, but we want to see them compete, but, you know, truthfully rack up some losses and get that better draft pick. But here's where I ask you, how many picks is too many picks? The Pacers are looking at having potentially three picks in the top 35 plus their second round pick. So, I mean, who knows where, where that'll fall yet? And it just feels like, do you think that there's going to be another big move in the offseason? They could combine a pick. 
You mentioned that Brogdon contract that needs to be moved. Maybe McConnell gets moved. Uh, we still don't know the status of Miles Turner. Do you think this is just going to be like, hey, come this offseason? I mean, we're making moves again. Yeah, I mean, I think Brogdon would be the one guy I would expect the Pacers to want to move. Um, even though I think Brogdon and Halliburton might actually be a, a pretty good backcourt, depending on, you know, Brogdon is more of a two guard, I feel like, mm-hmm. rather than a true point guard. Yeah. Maybe Halliburton and him could be a, a pretty good backcourt mix. But again, with just the, the injury history of Brogdon, again, I'm happy that he chose Indiana a couple off seasons ago. Like, that was a really big step for the organization, I thought, to get a guy like him. But at some point in time, the timelines don't match up now, right? He's going to be 29, almost 30. And maybe if you package him with one of those late, late, first round picks or that uh, rock is, you know, a second round pick. Maybe you send them off to somewhere for another young asset in return, or maybe, you know, maybe Miles Turner does survive the deadline, or maybe he's moved this off season um, to get, you know, a, a different younger piece. So I definitely think those draft picks are going to be used in terms of facilitating another trade for one of these contracts we have still looming on the books. You know, when, when the Pacers were able to acquire uh, Halliburton, it sent a shockwave through the league. No one thought that Hal Burton was available. So hats off to the front office for, for making that deal happen. However, what was your initial reaction when you saw Sabonis was on the move? I mean, I, I was shocked um, so that, was it, that it ended up being Sabonis. And again, you know, I, Pacers Twitter and fandom has been split for the last couple of years now with Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've always favored Miles Turner. But again, it I've never said that the Mondas Sabonis wasn't the better player. Like Sabonis is clearly the better player. I just think style-wise, Turner's a little bit easier to plug in. Yeah. Um, but again, Sabonis getting moved, um, I was shocked. I didn't expect that to, to take place because, again, he was a two-time All-Star for the Pacers. And I kind of felt like they expected him to be the franchise player. I thought they were trying to build around him. Obviously, they switched gears. Who knows how much behind-the-scenes stuff was going on in terms of Sabonis not being happy. I know he did have that one comment about, you know, he he wants to be loved by the fans. And there's plenty of case to be made that the fans here in Indiana, at least half of them didn't necessarily love Sabonis. Um, but I, I definitely was surprised. And I, I didn't even think a guy like Halliburton was on the market. You know, we were all talking about De'Aaron Fox as the possible uh, point guard to be in exchange for Sabonis. It ended up being Halliburton. Uh, but I was definitely surprised to see Sabonis leave. Uh, I think people who are who are still hating on Sabonis, though, for the fact that he hasn't said, like, thank you to the Pacers and whatnot, like, let the man kind of, like, get settled. I'm sure this was a little bit of a shock to him as well that he was actually dealt. Um, and he also doesn't use social media. So, like, let's stop like harping on guys to say thank you right after the trade. I think that's a little bit of a weird thing that goes on. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I don't know if Sabonis is supposed to like send a letter in the mail to let the Pacers know, but this guy <laughs> is really just, he's not on social media like that. And I think it's like, it's weird in today's era. It has fans like maybe not able to get as much of a read on him because he's not someone who's always like going with comments out in the media. He's not doing like maybe what Miles is doing of like having some fun on social media with like, TikTok or, or Twitter or anything. Right. You just don't really hear from him. So it does feel like a bit of an unknown. But I love the direction that the team's going in. I now feel like I can sit down and enjoy Pacer games, win or lose. We can be invested in the growth of this team. Is there one thing in specific that maybe you're looking for uh, towards the end of this season with this team? Um, really, what I'm, what I'm all I'm looking for is to see, you know, is Buddy Heal going to be a piece moving forward? Um, you know, is Goga Badazi longed for this team? Um, you know, kind of just figuring out what pieces are still movable and what pieces we feel like we need to keep going forward. I think the only guy I can say for sure right now that we can't move 
would be those three young guys, Halliburton, Duarte, and Isaiah Jackson. I think those are the three that I wouldn't touch. Yeah. Um, everybody else, I think, is question marks. It's almost like, you know, play your way into this team long term. I would even say Lance Stevenson kind of falls in that category, right? Can he earn himself an extension at the end of the year? Um, which I think Pacer fans would love to see. But again, it's all about role. It's all about timeline. Um, and then again, money matters. Absolutely. And money is something that the Pacers actually have a decent amount of through all the trades. They're able to clear about $26 million in cap room. What they do with it, I don't know. But the Pacers have always been, you know, uh, in the market to acquire someone through a trade. They finally have those options. They have trade exceptions. So plenty of options on the table. But Corey, as we wrap up, please tell everybody where they could find you on social media. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops. That's uh, K-W-A-L Hoops. Um, I tweet about Pacers, tweet about basketball, and, and that's about the extent of it. But, uh, yeah, you know, definitely check me out. Um, I used to do a Pacers podcast. That might be coming back sooner than later. But always check out Setting the Pace. This is my go-to Pacers podcast. Um, Mike, Alex, you guys do a great job of, of keeping us fans informed. Hey, I really appreciate you, Corey. Thanks for the time. And everybody, check them out on social media. Awesome stuff there from our fan of the week, Corey Wadron Fachi. Great interview, as always. Appreciate the energy and the insight. But now we're going to close out the show today with Rob Kravitz. I did an interview with him Thursday at four o'clock after the NBA trade deadline to talk about all the Pacers moves, the direction the franchise is heading and what they could do this off season. So it's a really good conversation. Of course, Bob Kravitz broke the art, uh, broke the news with Sham Sharania that this team was heading for a retool back in December. So Bob has been on this for the past couple of months, really keeping a close eye to it and, you know, I trust his insight. He's got a great uh, relationship with this front office and some of the former regime and some of the current regime. So he knows what is going on. He's plugged in. So I think you're going to enjoy what he has to say. And with that being said, um, we'll be back for our next episode on Sunday night. It'll be the Mailbag Podcast. So we will get back to that. I'm sure you guys have plenty of questions and new questions for us as we've got a completely new roster. But now let's get to this interview with Bob Kravitz. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he was the one that broke the news that the Pacers would be entering a rebuild, and it looks like they did just that. It's the one and only Bob Kravitz from The Athletic. Bob, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, my pleasure, Alex. Hope you're well. I am doing well. It's It's been a busy week. We've seen the Pacers make three trades to really change the, the future of this roster, and so let's just start with the big one, obviously. Sabonis traded to Sacramento. Miles Turner is not traded. He is kept here in Indiana, and it felt like for the past couple of months, it was going to be Turner over Sabonis. So um, what what is your intel on why the Pacers decided to move on from Sabonis and uh, what was out there for Miles Turner and, and why he ultimately did not get moved? Well, it's pretty simple. It's it's, it's Miles Turner's stress reaction to his left foot. Um, a lot of teams were scared off. Uh, you know, they, they were looking at Miles as somebody who could help them down the stretch, and they had no idea when he might be back. So – you know, there were a lot of uh, suitors, but, uh, you know, a lot of them fell uh, off the radar uh, once, you know, they came to understand what the injury situation was. I would have preferred to have traded Turner over uh, Sabonis, per, you know, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, you know, I was told way back when, you know, that they would make the deal, uh, whatever deal was best, whether it was Sabonis or uh, Turner. And I think they got a heck of a haul for uh, for Domas Sabonis. I really do. I think Tyrese Halliburton, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I've seen him play a bunch. 
because even people in Sacramento don't see the Kings play. But, um, you know, you look at his stats and, and they are very impressive for a kid who's just going to be 22 in about a month. Yeah, I think this is the big thing here. It's like, look, you get him on the second year of his rookie contract. So a lot to look forward to with the future of Halliburton. And, of course, Sabonis had the rest of this year and then two more years left. So I think just longevity-wise, you're going to get Tyrese Halliburton for a longer time period than you could have had with Sabonis. And this is a guard-driven league. So, um, and, and, and Keep in mind, there's no way Domas Sabonis is coming back he was not going to stay in Indianapolis uh, when he became a free agent. So what? Yeah. So I saw your article and I saw you bring that up. How how do we know that Sabonis was not going to come back? I'm just curious. Was it just because of the situation here, the the, the city that he would rather be out in California? I'm just curious why he wouldn't have resigned here in Indiana. Well, he's he's been unhappy at various times, uh, you know, with with the Pacers, with the lack of success. Um, I don't think it was a city thing or a fan thing or anything like that. I just think he felt like, you know, he could, he could do better for himself in, in another market um, as unfortunately other players have decided uh, here in Indy. Um, but yeah, I, they, they were under the very distinct impression that he would not be, he would not be sticking around. So I think getting Halliburton, like you say, a guard in a guard oriented league, um, you know, they, they didn't want to completely blow it up at the, you know, but they, they, they wanted to rebuild on the run. I think they've served both purposes, both long-term and more short-term. Doesn't mean they're going to go on a winning streak here in the last, whatever, 25, 28 games. But, you know, I think it makes them a better team for next year. Uh, and it gives them a, a nice, a nice looking future with, a, with a lot of, a lot of youth and let's face it, they got to get it right in the draft, man. Yeah. They got to get it right in the draft, whether we're talking about the lottery pick, which we all assume they're going to get. Um, and then, you know, picking 20th, 20, picking, you know, around 22nd, let's say, then picking in the early 30s with Houston's pick. I think they're in pretty good shape moving forward. Yeah. And I think one thing, too, the, the flexibility they have now to trade some of these pieces to add, you know, attach these assets that they've acquired in terms of draft picks to them. I cannot see them drafting three players in this upcoming draft. I just feel no like way. that's way too many young people. So I, I feel like with healed uh, on the roster for next year with Brogdon with potentially Turner, you know, they could easily try to move one of those players. Brogdon. Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Brogdon is obviously the odd man out here uh, yeah. with Halliburton with the, with Duarte. I mean, I think that's what you kind of envision when sure. you're starting backcourt, but at the same time, they're, they're slotted at that fifth spot right now. And I know you brought him up in your article, Jaden Ivy. I mean, if they can get their hands on Ivy with the, the, the third, fourth, fifth pick, whatever it might be, what does that mean for, for Duarte? Does he start in that starting lineup? Do they move on from Brogdon? Obviously, I think at that point they do, but what, what, what do they do then if they get another guard that's like that uh, and Jaden Ivy? You can never have enough talent. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I remember, you know, like going back to the Colts and they picked up uh, this Reggie Wayne character and they already had a great wide receiver in Marvin Harrison. They had, I mean, they were loaded at wide receiver and they pick and Bill Polian took Reggie Wayne and everybody said, what the hell? Hey, you can never have enough terrific players. Um, you know, and, and I don't worry about who's starting. I worry about who's finishing. 
Yeah. And, you know, whether that means moving Duarte to the bench or, I mean, to me, he's a starter, but I don't think that's the be all and end all. Um, If you can have a rotation of three or four really solid guards and, you know, don't forget TJ McConnell's coming back. Um, So they're going to be, they're going to have a nice uh, nucleus, especially in the backcourt. I think the real story moving forward, well, there are a lot of stories. The real story is Miles Turner, the spotlight's on you. You're going to get all the touches you want, quit whining, and produce. Yeah, I think a lot of fans that are frustrated with Miles, it really doesn't have to do with his on-court play. I think it's actually the off-court stuff with the, the social media on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, um, you know, and then going to the athletic. I mean, you can sugarcoat it all you want to say you didn't say this, didn't say that. You can sugarcoat it all you want that, you know, you, you didn't delete the stuff off of Instagram where you were talking about, you know, Pacers for life. So, you know, honestly, for me, uh, I've always been a Domas guy over a Miles guy. And mm-hmm. I, I just I just like the way that Sabonis plays. And, you know, like you said, it, there was there was growing speculation that Sabonis was unhappy. He didn't want to be there. But I don't think anybody really heard about that in the media. Um, you know, little rumblings like Sabonis doesn't want to be right. there once out, but you never heard it from Domas's mouth and he didn't go oh, to no. any podcasts or articles, anything like that. So I think with Turner, you know, he fits this young core's age group. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that makes a lot of sense to try to hold on. The to oldest my... guy on the team, I think. What'd you say? Is he the oldest guy on the team? Well, you got healed and all those guys still that oh, are healed. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, healed yeah. Brogdon and Tristan Thompson are still the oldest, but you know, he's uh he's still closer to that young core than some of the veterans that they still have. But yeah. you know, longest tenured pacer. Longest tenured, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. been here the longest. Lance Stevenson still uh I think they're probably close in how many years total they've been here, but right. <laughs> it's um you know it's intriguing to me to to see what Turner can do with this opportunity. I think Greg Doyle and his article on the star. You know, it just basically said, now's your time. Show the league that they messed up and show the Pacers that they made the right decision. But um, I, I still think with Isaiah Jackson, you know, this is a guy that can do a little bit more than Miles athletically. So, you know, he could be, you know, gunning for that starting center position. I don't know when, but, I mean, if you if they don't extend Turner, you get Turner for one more year, you let Jackson play behind him, and then once Turner's contract is up, then maybe you go in the Isaiah Jackson direction. I'm not sure, but um, – I mean, I'm intrigued to see how they go about building this this center position because there's just been so much stuff out there with Turner. It's like, are the Pacers really bought into him long-term or is this just trying to keep face because they didn't like what they were going to get in return for him? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think honestly, you know, look, they were ready to move him. Uh, I, and I, I'm convinced that he would have been the one who got moved if he hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people were really intrigued by the skill set that he brings to the game, especially on the defensive end. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's talked a lot. Uh, he talked to my, uh, my, my colleague, uh, Jared Weiss, and said he doesn't feel like he's being used correctly and all that. And, and to his credit, he didn't try to soft sell that. He, you know, he didn't say I was taken out of context that I'm aware of now, you know, maybe you heard something different, but he, uh, this is his opportunity this is it. He's got however many games left that, that, he's, that, he, that he's healthy enough to play to show the Pacers what he's got. But, yeah, I just going back, I, I think Brogdon – look, I like, I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot as a guy, what he stands for, um, and I like his game. He's just hurt all the time. And 
look, it's hard to be a leader from the training training room. It just mm-hmm. is. And um, I, I think they move forward with with Duarte and Halliburton and, you know, Buddy, you, you know, somewhere in the mix. And I think they're in pretty good shape. I mean, Heald really intrigues me because he gives the Pacers something they desperately need, and that's three-point shooting. They're 25th in the league in field goal per, in three-point field goal percentage. And while Heald is at a career low 38%, I think he is right mm-hmm. now, it's still higher than the league average. And he's a career 40% shooter. So I think he's a guy who's really going to benefit from a change of venue. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. I, I think Buddy Heald, there were some talks that maybe he could be on the move as well. Um, and, and flipped. I'm really, I'm really intrigued by what they do with Ricky Rubio. Obviously, um, there's no reason to waive him because he cannot play. There's a reason to buy him out. So, so now you enter into the offseason with that expiring, with that expiring contract. It'll give you money, but you still have his bird rights, and you could do a sign and trade with Ricky Rubio to a team that he might want to play on, or they could keep him if they want to. I don't really see that happening. Yeah, I don't but, see that happening either. No. But yeah, you're right. You're right. They've got a lot of options, and you know, a lot of people. You know, on on Twitter, like, well, Ricky Rubio, what what they get for him? Him and a bunch of second rounders. I'm like, that that's a valuable piece. His yeah. people don't understand, and and I understand that they don't understand because it's kind of complicated. But expiring contracts are incredibly, incredibly important and valuable in this league. And the Pacers are going to be one of, I don't know, five or six teams who are going to be under the cap. And, and they'll be able to, to make some deals where uh, they take on more salary than they give. Uh, they can use it in free agency. They've got a lot of options. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely true. So uh, last thing, obviously, today on the trade deadline day, we did get another trade for the Pacers, Torrey Craig out. And, of course, Jalen Smith coming back from Phoenix. And, of course, they did not pick up his option, so he'll be an unrestricted free agent as well. Okay. But do, but do you think and there's – yeah, so the, the, the Suns did not pick up his rookie option, which was a bit surprising. He had fallen out of the rotation. They were kind of disappointed in the way he had played his rookie year, and so they traded his contract, which isn't expiring. But he's only 21 years old, and he I, plays a power forward center position. I mean, to me, this is great. This is a great move getting off of Torrey Craig, who had money on the books for next season, to get another mm-hmm. expiring and a chance to potentially bring him back. There was – talks that they could flip him again because there was a lot of interest in him uh, especially from Denver at the as the deadline was closing down uh, winding down so I mean uh, the Pacers here could could even do a sign and trade with Jalen Smith as well they could they could and look Torrey Craig is what 30 31 mm-hmm. I mean he was not gonna this is a youth movement uh, you know largely and you know this is a team that needs a little bit of a runway before they're going to be good again and you know Torrey Craig's a nice player but uh, I didn't think that, you know, he really fit what they were trying to do moving forward. So I think that was a, a smart move. If, if Smith ends up being a player, great. If you can get something from, for him, that's great. Uh, again, it's just about getting pieces. Absolutely. So as we sign off here, just let me know what is your overall grade for the moves that Kevin Pritchard and that front office made this, uh, this trade deadline? Oh, I, I think it's an A minus to a B plus. Okay. Uh, I think I think they got some some good pieces moving forward, and I think Tyrese Halliburton. Again, I have not seen him play a whole lot. The Kings are 
not on my TV very often, <laughs> but uh, the, the moment the trade was made, I reached out to about six of our, um, uh, well, one, one Sacramento writer and to about five of our national people. And they all said the same thing. This guy's a stud. And they could not believe that the Sacramento Kings uh, were, were going to make that deal. They were just shocked. They thought for sure that De'Aaron Fox was going to be the guy involved. So, I mean, getting Tyrese Halliburton makes the whole thing worthwhile in my view. And like I say, I, I love Domas, love his game, but I don't think he would have remained in Indianapolis. And, you know, I know that Rick thinks that, that Turner and Sabonis work together. And, yes, that some of their best lineups have been with those two guys, but their best lineups aren't winning. I mean, you don't 19. think he was posturing at all there? Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> I'm sure he was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because Rick was really praising Lavert, praising Lamb a lot towards the end. He was praising Turner really a fun. lot too. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting. But I, I will ask you this. I, I have one more question. Um, sure. You said that you didn't think Sabonis would be here long term. Do you think Turner really wants to be here long term? Uh, it depends on how things uh, shake out here. I think in the last twenty some odd games, I think. If he can get to a point where he feels like he's being used in such a way that he feels comfortable, um, then, then yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think he's got deep roots in this community. Um, he does stupid stuff on social media, uh, but he's a really good young man. And, you know, generally speaking, and um, I, I think he's good here. It's just, you know, let's find out what, what he's got to his game. And maybe it's not fair to expect the guy to really uh, emerge uh, when he's coming off a stress fracture. But I, I think these last couple of games, if and when he gets healthy, are really going to go a long way toward determining what he decides to do uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Well, guys, I want to just thank Bob for coming on the show. Uh, you guys can follow him on Twitter at bkravitz and, and check all of his work out on uh, on theathletic.com he does a great job covering not just the pacers but the colts as well over there so make sure you guys give bob a follow if you haven't already and bob thank you so much for coming on my pleasure alex take care of yourself This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.